to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. We are in season 14, episode four. Dan Fellers coming to you from a hotel room. Hopefully my internet holds strong this episode. Good to be back with you. We've got Ali, our regular guest with the, or host with us. Welcome, Ali. Hello. And special guest, Kavan. Welcome back, Kavan. Hello, good to be here. Good to have you as always. You've been on the show a few times, so good to always have you back on. We'll uh, talk more with Kavan later in the show. So I will walk through what we're going to be talking about today. The Built on Air podcast is an hour long. We go through four different segments, keep you up to date on everything Airtable. We always start with our round the bases, with what people are talking about, what's new in the communities. Then a quick shout out to our primary sponsor, OnToAir. Then Kavan will be going through some of her guides and tutorials that she has made available, uh, many of them specific to scripting and how to do scripting in Airtable. And then Ali will walk through a base, uh, how to use line items with invoicing, then a quick shout out to our community at Built on Air and how you can join. And then finally, uh, I'll go through the new record templates and how you use those, set them up and everything. All right, round the bases. So a few things. Um, first, let's start with Daretable. We are two weeks away, right? It's not next week, it's the week after. Not two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. So one day. Uh, two weeks and one day. Yeah. It'll be uh Wednesday and Thursday. And so um I don't know, is is uh signups closed? I haven't heard. There might still be some slots open. Last I heard there were three tickets left. Um they might have gone by then, but it's uh not many spots left. If you if you wanna go, hurry up Sign and get up. your ticket. Yep, daretable.com. Um, there was a post that uh, somebody posted in the in the Facebook group about whether it would be streamed, and Chris answered that that it wouldn't. Um, last time they they had some issues, and so decided not to. But the cool thing that I saw in here, let's see, where is it? 
They are already working on Daretable Europe 2023. I was thinking 24. So that means this year in the fall. Yeah. Like there's going to be another Daretable in Europe. So that's a nice little uh, tidbit of information there. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, who's all going to be in Europe for that in the fall. So anyways, but two weeks, San Francisco at Airtable's headquarters. Um, sounds like there may be a few slots available if you haven't signed up. All three of us will be there. Kavan is speaking. Ali, Ali, are you speaking? Uh, she got kicked off. And oh. Excellent. Can you can you let her back in? Yep. Yep. There we go. I am speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it. Very good. Okay, we'll have both uh, Ali and Kavan as speakers, trainers, um, along with many other people, and uh, get access to Airtable. I'm sure they'll be uh, making some announcements or or reviewing some announcements. Of I know there's there's stuff in the pipeline coming, so I imagine by by the time of Daretable, they'll be able to talk more about um, some new stuff coming out. So that will be exciting. We're excited to to see everybody there. Um, reach out to us. All right, moving on. Um, there was one other. Let's see. I think this one I want to start. Okay. Um, so this I first saw in the, uh, in the built on air group, um, Jan, who goes by databaser, um, posted a article on, on LinkedIn. I don't know. I assume maybe this was posted in the community forum. I didn't see it in Airtable's community, but, um, highlighting a new feature, uh, as far as coloring list views. So if you have a, the new list view, you can color the rows. It looks like it puts a little bar um, in there. So that is one new feature. Maybe this has been out for a while and they just posted on LinkedIn. Uh, no, it hasn't been out yeah. for a while. It, okay. it was just released. It was something that actually frustrated me when they first came out with the list view, you couldn't use the color feature. Um, so excited to see that reinstated or put, put there for the first time, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So it's the same approach that they take in kind of the normal grid when you want to color the, the records. It puts that, that line at the beginning. Now you can do that in list views. So I think those were the only, that was the only feature announcement that, that I saw this week. Um, so we'll go through, let's, let's go this way. Got that one. Yeah. Um, there's the feature removal. What was the feature removal? Attachment URLs from formula fields. Attachment URLs. Is that new? Well, it was when they're removed. So when they went to expiring URLs for attachments, they yeah. said that they were going to invalidate the URLs that were produced in formula fields, but it didn't actually happen when they made the changeover until last week when all of a sudden people were starting complaining that all of these dl.airtable.com attachment links are actually starting to fail now. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I didn't realize that that just changed. Okay. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense more, yeah. because what happened was it used to be that 
all attachments had the same basic URL structure, HTTPS, DL.Airtable.com. And then it was a permanent link where even if you actually deleted your attachment, you could still get to that file at that URL. So it was a security issue because if you ever accidentally released that URL, anyone who got that URL could get your file, even if you had never made that file public and even if you had tried to delete it from your base. So Airtable went in and they rearranged how they did URLs and they went to a system of expiring URLs. So if you send out an email, um, you get an expiring URL after two hours, that URL doesn't work anymore so that you don't have this URL to your content just out there forever that you can't revoke. Um, and they also have viewer URLs where you actually have to be logged into Airtable and then you can view it, but those don't expire. And then you had this weird thing where you had URLs in formula fields that were exposed and what were they going to do with that? And the question is, you can't just turn it into a viewer URL or a expiring URL because you would change the actual value of the formula. And if you have formula fields that are based on that, if you have other things that are calculating on it, you're going to mess up everyone's bases that say extracting out the file name out of that. And so you can totally mess up all the other downstream formulas. And you can't just change it so it's always going to be an actual valid URL the way the expirings are because then you have to constantly recalculate those values. And that's just a mess. So they decided that they're going to keep the format but invalidate the URL. That means that they had to get all the other systems first, where make sure the actual expiring ones worked. And that took them a while to get that worked out because like sometimes we're having things where like they were expiring too soon or not long enough and just get people used to that. And that's why here it is several months later when they're actually saying, okay, now we think they've got all of the kinks in that ironed out. Now they can actually take down those formula field produced URLs. Gotcha. So, so what happened was, so the, what happened is they finally invalidated these, these static URLs that you could extract yes. from the formula in the formula. And one of the problem is it was really, really convenient to just use those URLs and say, put it in for a static image. Like say you had your company logo and a page designer block or in an email that you were sending out, people were just using those and they might've even deleted the original attachment. And then, everything was working, expiring URLs went out fine and everything still continued to work. And then now they're invalidating those URLs and now things are breaking. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So what really sucks is that if all you have is that URL that was the attachment URL, there's no way of going back and tracing the links back to what the original file is. You have to manually find it yourself. But then once you actually find it or find a closer version, you know, like if it's your company logo, hopefully you have that somewhere else, uh, then you can just upload it to some other service like Cloudinary that will host it for free, get a static URL from that, and then plop that into your page designer, into your email template, and then you can back a business. Yeah. Yeah. Much easier said than done there. But uh yeah, so that that could be impacting a lot of people because there isn't a way where so like if you look at these URLs, you can see it's cut off in the image, but it start you see the start of the ID. So each attachment has a unique ID, 
but there isn't a way to just extract that ID and then like create a new URL structure that would work. I don't believe um, like there's no static representation of attachments. Mm, not really. I haven't found a way where you can take that URL and then find out what the original attachment field in the original base is. What we ended up doing at my company was back in January, we actually painstakingly went through every single page designer block, every email automation, looked for every single thing where it was a static one, grabbed it. <laughs> and then we actually hosted ours on AWS and then put in the AWS URL. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So basically, uh, Airtable can't be your CDN anymore. That's officially dead. Mm -hmm. Unless you're going through a portal, in which case it still seems to work. Because the portal seems to be grabbing whatever the current expiring URL is. Right, right, right. Yeah. And some of the portal tools actually cache it for you, like put it on their own CDN. <clears throat> so then it's long living. So... All right, that's a good summary. Thank you. Um, let's see a couple other things. I don't know if we need to call out every time there's a there's an outage, but there was a pretty significant one last week. Um, actually, there was two. So one, pretty much everything was down. The website was getting a 504 error, I believe. Um, and then there was one more. Let me find it. Oh yeah, with the with the forms. Um, they were glitchy for a while where like the buttons weren't working. I don't know if you came across that where you tried to click on the ad for the linked records and they weren't working. I noticed a, a few people mentioned that. Mm -hmm. So, but I think they got this one back up in an hour or so. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else we got. Okay, this was a cool one. We actually, there was actually some pretty cool conversations in the built-on air community. Um, this was just kind of a quick, easy solution from Jen. Shout out to Jen on this answer. So uh, Veronique is asking, um, wants a calendar view and has like a grid of, of records that have dates, but they want a calendar view of what dates are not used within the records. And so Jen just, you know, says basically you have to create another table that has a record for every date and then you link the calendar views or the other table to those dates. And then you can create a view of dates that don't have links to them. And then that would show you the available um, dates. And then you put that, that view on a calendar. Yeah. Nice little... Nice little trick of how to get the inverse, but it does require another table and you probably have to create an automation that's automatically adding dates in the future as they come up. Yep. Yeah, something like that is that's the initial one to set up. The thing about it is that you have to be very careful in your design of how you maintain it. Because for example, one thing is you have to make sure that you don't like take a date record and drag it to a different date. Um, if you're viewing that editable one, because that thing's messing. The other thing that's not so nice about it is it's, you can't get a record that shows a range. You can see records on the individual dates that saying this day is available, but it's hard to calculate to say, well, actually I have a range of three dates that are open as opposed to four or five. Mm -hmm. Right, right, that's true. 
All right, let's move on. We've got a few here. Um, actually, Kravan, you're in this one. So um, this is asking about scripting, um, basically saying they want a button that when pressed changes the article and has the script and it doesn't seem to be working, getting an error message. Uh, record from button field was not used. The script did not use the record from the button field to use a record call input record async. How did, what, what were your thoughts, Kavan, on this one? Um, can you go ahead and expand the, the script sample so that you can see it? Like, so the first thing I looked at this and I've seen this a couple of times and my first glance when I'm reading through this is, was this a script that was generated by AI? Because if you know how to code, then you just do things a certain way. And what I notice in here is that you don't have things labeled. It's just not written the way someone who's experienced writing code it would write it as far as like how you have things commented and how you have things called. Like I've seen someone's scripts where there'll be the name of the function that's declared and then that function is never actually called. So it's just kind of like weird little things like that. Um, and I'm just seeing more and more of those. And they don't necessarily actually work right because it's not using the actual grammar and syntax that's created. So my first thing was, I think this is AI generated by someone who knows enough to know that it looks good, but it doesn't actually have everything completely fleshed out in it. So for example, this one, it, if you scroll to the top, you'll see it says get status and it says, you know, you're putting in a record, but nowhere does the script actually get the record to begin with. So it doesn't know what record to use. And if you were actually writing a script yourself, you would re recognize that and say, well, I have to go actually get the record somewhere. But the AI doesn't know that when it's creating this. And so that's an important part of the puzzle that it just doesn't have. Um, then the other thing, I don't know if it was this one or another one where the person actually wanted to have it where there is a, um, they wanted a button to be pressed yeah, and they want one. the button to be pressed by a read only user. And well, that's disabled for read only users. So you can't even do that to begin with. And so if you go down this AI route, if you don't know enough about scripting, it's not necessarily going to give you a complete working script and you're not necessarily know how to go back and say that, but it's also might be overlooking the fact that you spend all this time writing a script. that's actually not going to work for your full use case because the person you want to push the button won't have the permission level to push the button. Right. Right. So yeah, they're trying to get around the read only, you know, paid user, but that's why the buttons are disabled because you can't modify the data as a read-only mm -hmm. user, even if it's running a script. Yeah. So the one thing, one thing I noticed just looking at this, which would lead me to believe maybe this part wasn't written by AI, AI because I think AI would have gotten this, but you notice um, they call main, which is an async function, but they don't have a wait in front of it. Mm -hmm. And I bet that that's the problem because then none of this is going to work and the error is related to this right here to get the record. Yeah. Oh, actually, so this one, it does say input record async, but there's nothing inside the parameters where you actually, you need to have a prompt and you need to have something that says what table you're getting the record from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So those are, those are two things. So maybe we'll update that and let Jawad know, but um mm -hmm. 
so yeah, anyways, good good scripting advice. I think we'll get more of that in a bit. Um, let's move on. Okay, Ben asks, um, does the find record actions in Airtable automation seem slow to anyone else uh, compared to the find records in other apps? Um, just talking about like third-party apps, Zapier and Make. So kind of using inside the automations, the find records versus versus using like the API. I think I like this one mainly because of the back and forth between Bill and Catherine, who recently joined the Built on Air community, um, who used to work at Airtable, she mentions. And so there's some really good, you get some good insights into how Airtable works under the hood. Um, so really good back and forth between the two of them in this thread. Yeah, the big point is just because you think nobody's doing something inside an Airtable base doesn't actually mean that there isn't a lot of stuff going on in it. Yep, yep. So yeah, so good. If, you, if you're if you trying to optimize uh, the speed of performance, this thread is good. It has some good um, tidbits on things to look at and what might be causing. I know, Ali, you've got experience working with. You're on the top 10 naughty list. Airtable of users. <laughs> so you can see that now formula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that one's a, that's a big one. Yep. So others as well. All right, moving on. Oh, we already did that one. So I think that's all from the Built on Air community. Moving on to um, to uh, table forums. A couple, a couple um, interesting ones. So this, this post is from a while ago, back in March, about the changes to the home screen, but then somebody updated it. Um, um, when they logged in, they're delaying the rollout of the new home screen based on feedback, no longer being forced into using it for now, at least. So it sounds like they maybe switched. It used to be they 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 switched everybody over or were starting to switch people over, but you could go into your account um, drop down and revert back. Now it looks like it might be more of an opt-in where you can switch if you want, but they're not forcing it. I don't know if you've seen that. I was very happy when I was able to revert back. I hate the new home screen. I have to say it's terrible. <laughs> I, yeah, I will be very sad on the day that they decide you can no longer extent yeah i'm kind of maybe more in the middle like i like some things about it i feel like there's still room for improvement but i think they can find a workable solution with the new approach i, I i'm saying with you dan there, there was actually a couple things that i liked about it it's just that they broke some of the fundamental things that i used to do like dragging a base from one workspace to another that mm -hmm. i i do that a lot and most people probably don't but especially when I was working as a consultant and you have something in your base and you need to transfer ownership, um, yeah. you would do that. Or what I do a lot now is I have certain bases and I just move them to an archive workspace because I don't want to actively see it anymore, but I want to be able to retain access to it. Mm -hmm. And so dragging, I actually do drag bases around from one workspace to another or not. And that was just completely broken in the new interface. But I really do believe that they can come up with a better solution. Uh, yeah. I want to bring back to ideas when we had the views sidebar at first, they came up with a system that just didn't work. They went back to the drawing board. We heard nothing for like, it felt like 
weeks or months and they mm -hmm. came back with a beautiful new design on that mm -hmm. where it like it made so much more sense they took in the feedback from all kinds of different people what people want to do and it was even better than what they used to have so i'm very hopeful that they will come up and that they'll pull another one out of the bag that they'll say here's how it works here's they rolled out something that didn't work they're going to go back to the drawing board and they'll come up with something that takes the best of all the different situations that's totally different from anything we've seen and even better yeah i sure hope so looking forward to that for sure yep yep that will be nice but yeah this one um this last comment says that he doesn't have the rollback option which is which is odd i i feel like i've seen that in all of my accounts yeah it could be a situation where the rollback option has not yet been rolled out to him. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Roll back the rollback. <clears throat> so, yep. So still in the works, the home screen. We'll see. We'll see maybe more to come there. All right. Here's another one. Um, I think, yeah, Kavan, you're in this discussion. <laughs> Kavan is everywhere. Can records or fields read from extensions? So somebody asking if an extension or if a field can basically communicate with an extension in some way. How do you answer this, Kavan? Well, basically the answer is no, that formulas, they don't even know that extensions exist. So there's no way that they can go back. All that a formula can do is it can pull from other field data. And so what you can do is you can have your extension modify the editable data and then the formula would pull from that but i don't think that will work and then later on in this thread bill brings up the idea that he really wishes that we could have custom formulas where you can define your own formula using javascript and then have that formula go and do whatever calculations um and then he points out that it's been a while since google sheets and excel have had that but it's just not there in Airtable yet yeah. So, um, but I think this is part of a trend of we've seen a de-emphasis on extensions, and uh, there was also recently a thread where someone was somewhere I don't remember where where someone was trying to get page designer to work, but the problem was they were trying to print from a view that had like fifteen hundred records, and it just was too many. And the answer is that you need to go and scale back your view so you don't have so many. And one of the ways that extensions works is they have the ability to watch all of the records in a view. But the problem with that is it's incredibly resource intensive. And so, you know, say you have something like a dashboard open with a, just even a simple count one. Well, that count extension is constantly reading all of the records because that count could change at any moment as anyone creates a record or updates record. And so that just can be a really big drain and it makes things a lot slower. So, by moving away and de-emphasizing extensions, you're having fewer people that are writing extensions that are taking advantage of this fact that it's going to be watching every single record in however many tables um, to hopefully not have that drain on performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, let's continue on that theme. Uh, there's another one from the Airtable community. I know this is near to both myself and Kavan and um, others, the future of extensions, uh, Tobias asks, basically with the emphasis on, on interfaces and pushing users to use interfaces, what is the future of extensions? That's the question I know I have. I'm sure I have that Kavan, you have the same question. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's a big question. And I think that Airtable probably themselves doesn't even really know. Um, I think that they're trying to juggle a lot of things. The, the one extension that I really, really wish that they would bring to interfaces is scripting extension. If they brought nothing else to interfaces, I wish they could bring that because scripting extension is available to everybody and it can do things that you cannot do with automations, mm-hmm. an automation script. Um, and I think that has the most potential to improve what you can do with interfaces. But I maybe they're holding off because they want to have a more general approach because it, it really would not be good if they have just like this one-off, this is the one thing that you can do in scripting, but none of the other extensions work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a big thorny issue, but they have many big thorny issues to deal with interfaces. And until then... When it comes to developing extensions, my focus has been more on what are utilities that can help the base designers, because they're always going to be in grid views and less on extensions that would help the end users that need to be in a front end type of environment. Yep. Yep. Yeah, totally agree with that. Very well said. All right, let's move on. Uh, Going to Twitter. Um, let's go here. So we had an example. We talked a little bit about how AI maybe wasn't perfect in helping. Here's an example from, um, John talking about, um, so it's a video, it's actually a two minute video, um, about how he basically used chat GPT to write a, a server code, um, to get all the Airtable records and kind of complete something. So. There's examples of, of using AI where it actually works and examples of where it doesn't work. Um, so still mix mixed bag on, on the future of AI coding for you. The way I see AI is, it, it's, AI is learning how to talk. It's learning how to speak both English and then it's also trying to learn how to speak code. When a little baby learns to speak, it just babbles nonsense. And then gradually they say intelligent words and then they string together sentences. And then they string together longer sentences and then eventually they can speak in paragraphs. So what AI can do with these code is it can do words and sentences and phrases. It can't really do essays yet. In code. Yeah. yeah. In code. Yeah. Full, full applications. Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff there. All right. I think this is the last one. Um, shout out to, to Gareth. It looks like, um, Philip Blacken, who runs a no-code ops um, community, they're going to be doing a live build a CRM in public um, together with Gareth. So a series, it looks like a month's worth of events where they're going to be connecting. And I assume Gareth's going to be helping him build his uh, CRM. So if you want to see a CRM built in public, um, you can check out their channel. Uh, likely it'll be on both their their respective communities, so could be a, could be a worthwhile watching that. All right, so I think that's everything and around the bases, getting everybody uh, up to speed on what's going on. So we'll give a shout out to Ontoair. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that help you do more with your Airtable. So if your business is dependent on Airtable, you need to check out Ontoware at ontoware.com and find out all the amazing apps that we have there. Um, For today's shout outs, I'm going to go to Twitter. And I figured I'll have one of our customers, Peter, 
who was kind enough to do a case study with us, share in his own words what um, the Ontoware backups has meant for his business. So let's see if this, I don't know if the audio will work. Let me, let me know if you can hear it or if you can't hear it. Can't hear. No. No, you can read it. All right, so Charm and many others are using backup to backup their data um, from Airtable into Google Drive, Box, or Dropbox, whatever um, solution you're already using for your file storage. So check out Ontoware at ontoware.com and our backups at backups, ontoware.com slash backups to learn more. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend backups. Um, today is the one day anniversary of where I started my job at Luke Lampco. And one of the first things that I did was got them onto air backups. Nice. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Kavan is going to spill her secrets <laughs> on scripting and all things Airtable. Um, I don't know if I would go that far. What it is, is I have a new initiative that I started and let's see, how can I, do I click present? Uh, yeah. Share screen. Share screen. Um, share screen. Now, how do I pick which window? Yeah. Let's see. I think this is this window. Okay. Um, now, how to see? Yep, yep. You're live. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, what happened was I've been posting content about Airtable on different places for a couple of years now. The Airtable community forums, um, sometimes in Slack. I've been doing it on table forums and on Facebook groups. And I found that my content was getting split off into all these different places. And I'd it was fun creating it, but like if I want to refer back to it or there's just other useful comment that would go in and then it would just be lost because it's on some old thread that's not the original post that you can't search on anymore. And I said, you know what? I wish I could just have one place where I could put my knowledge and the information that I want to put it together and just have it all consolidated where stuff won't get lost. And I decided over this past weekend that, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and create a Coda doc where I can put it together. And I ended up creating two Coda docs. And I decided if you go here, it's um, HTTPS Coda.io slash at Kavon. You will have to know how to spell my name in order to get there. But one of them is my guide to Airtable. And what this is, is it's a work in progress, but it is, the different knowledge of that I think is important about knowing about Airtable. So I've got stuff about different field types where I say, okay, here are all the different field types. What's the data type that there are in there? Um, computed field types, field types, how they work in scripting, um, stuff about formula fields where I have my presentation from last year's Daretable conference. Um, I've also got my beginnings of my style guide on how I write my styles for formulas. Um, 
information on metadata fields, a lot of different other information that I think is useful information about Airtable and using Airtable that is not readily available on the website. And it's just my business take on how we're doing it. And I just want to consolidate the information. So the plan is like, rather than just writing a post that gets read by a couple people in a forum and then just is lost, then I'm going to put it all here. And if you like love my content, you can just go here and then you can just see all of it all together, hopefully nicely organized, but also in an ongoing way that I plan on maintaining this so that if I have a new idea or a new formula that I think is a common, the pattern is that you can see that's there. Um, so for example, like here, I've got my common formula patterns. I've only put in, I said, I've only been doing this over this weekend, right? So like I've put in like examples of the formulas here. Um, so this is what it is for Airtable as itself. But then I also had so much other information about scripting. I said, you know what? I need to have another doc that talks about scripting. Um, and so that's this one here. So you want to learn scripting. I think this is one of the most important pages to start off with is, do you actually want to learn how to write scripts or do you just want working code? Because if you just want working code, you do something else. Uh, a little discussion of what you might want to think of if you want to have AI write the script for you. And then I get asked this so many times. It's what do you do if you actually said, yes, I actually want to write the script myself, but where do I start? So depends on whether or not you know Airtable, depends on whether or not you know code. Um, and then after that, go straight to the scripting documentation. Then this is the part, these free scripts, um, I think is what people might be most interested in. What it is, is every now and then I'll see like a particular use case come up in a form and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I'll write like a little script to do that and then I'll publish it. And I'm like, well, maybe someone else will be interested in it. And I decided what I'm gonna do, so I'll say here, so like here, this was a Facebook post where someone wanted to do a schedule of something to go out on the second and the fourth Monday. There was a little conversation about people suggesting things. And um, if we look at these here, she'll said, okay, well, can you do the scripting option? And so I said, you know what, let me go ahead and write that. And so I wrote it here with the inspiration of saying, well, if you wanna do something that goes out on the second and the fourth Monday, just have your automation run every month, excuse me, every week, every Monday, and then have a script to determine if it is the second or the fourth. Mm -hmm. And so I walk through how to do it, how you get the date, get the day of the month, so on, determine whether or not it is. And this is how I thought about doing it. So for example, first you said, well, okay, if it's going to be in these days, but then we have another way and we can actually make that a little bit concise so it needs a little bit less set it out and then we have the full script so this full script you see it's only four lines long and if we really wanted it to be shorter it could be shorter so it's not something that it's a script that i'm going to go and like sell because it's so short it has very little use case for people actually putting in practice but it would be very useful to this particular person and also part of it is to teach other people how to do scripting so that they see here are the different steps. This is how you get a date. This is how you think through the logic. And then you think, oh, well, maybe I could refactor that logic to make it a little bit more efficient. And this is how you output it. And that helps people learn scripting because I'm a really big believer that if anyone who wants to learn scripting and is motivated doing it, they should have the chance to do it. And this is a way of paying back all the free websites that I saw that taught me all the different tricks that I know. And well, just because 
I think I am offering in a way of knowing whether I'm actually offering a useful service is, oh, I lost my, my sorry, is, you know, if you found this was helpful, you can buy me a coffee, buy just give coffee. a little tip. It takes me to, it'll take you to my coffee shop where it's gone. And I actually, I did get this one person did uh, like it and gave me a little tip for that. So uh, nice. actually, I, thought, I don't think it was this one. I think that was for a, that one was for a different person. If we look here, I think this one might have been for, so I've tried to break them up. I think, so this is like an automation tool for a formatted timestamp. So for example, if you want to have a formatted timestamp that you want to use in an email, you have the timestamp that when the automation was run, but it gets an ISO screen, which is really ugly. You want something that's pretty. And so I talk through how you use the to locale string, explaining the different parts that you need. I give links to say, here's the different choices that you can include in them. And then at the end is the full script. So it's really a short script. It's not worth trying to charge money for, but you know, if it was useful to you, it might be worth it to give a tip because I'm not going to keep rooting through this. <laughs> people are finding it useful the way people, tell me that it's useful is, you know, they fill that tip jar. Nice. Very cool. This is good stuff. It's like, if you, if you've spent any time in any of the communities, you've seen Kavan's name and how valuable her, her feedback and, and time spent on answering hundreds, thousands of questions. Um, so compiling it all into one place is, is invaluable to anybody getting up to speed in their table. So this is an awesome resource. Uh, as I said, if, if, you, if you want to learn scripting, I think it's better if you actually learn scripting than try and rely on AI for now, because the AI is going to have weird errors that you're not going to know how to debug. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like, if you don't know what you're dealing with, like AI could give you get you close enough but that last part is the hardest part <clears throat> absolutely well and you're um you're what, what are you speaking on at daretable um on daretable so let's go back a little bit here um so this is back to scripting let me go back to my guide to airtable one of the things that is one of my current kicks is the idea of metadata fields so some simple metadata fields are like your created by or your created time or your last modify. This is data about your data. Mm -hmm. um, so not the data that's actually being used to run the business, but data that helps you manage it. And one of my recent skits is the idea is that we have two other metadata type fields that I'm going to be talking about that are particularly interesting. One of them is data validation. So this section will be coming after dare table and the other one is going to be additional dependencies so what these are the ideas data validation is when you have say you've got um if you have a form so someone creating a new record you say okay we need to make sure that these three fields are filled out you can do that when they fill out the form right but what happens after the fact that people are editing the data and maybe they like delete one of those fields well suddenly you have invalid data what if you have something that says, if you're going to choose, you know, other as the single select option, we want to make sure that you filled in this text field where you actually type in what that other thing is. Mm -hmm. 
these are data validation issues. Airtable doesn't have a built way of in way of doing that, but we can generate a formula field that says, okay, let's take a look at all these different different conditions and apply in what is your business logic to say, is this set of data in this valid in this record actually valid? And so I'll be talking about why you want a field like this, how to construct a field like this, and um, why I think it's important to put it all in just have one field that puts it all together rather than having it scattered over in different places. Then the other metadata one is this additional dependencies. The idea is you've got your Airtable base and you could look there if there are additional dependencies. You can say, okay, when I try and delete this field, it gives me a warning. It says, actually, there's these two other formula fields. Well, it won't necessarily tell you what the formula fields are unless you're an enterprise, but it'll, actually it will tell you no matter what you're on. It'll tell you which formula fields there are that depend on that field that you're about to delete. But the problem is, is say you have something else, say you've got a make scenario or a zap that depends on that field. It doesn't know that Airtable will just let you delete it. So you can create another formula field that says, these are my additional dependencies. Here's on everything outside of this scope that's going to blow up if you delete this field. And so I'm going to show you why you want this additional dependencies fields, how to write it so that you can document and say where things are, what they were used in. Um, we actually had a situation where we had a field that no one was really quite sure what they were using out. It turned out that it was actually used in a page designer block and no one ever looked at it. They just printed the page designer block. And if we had actually deleted that field, it would have messed up the page designer block without people even really necessarily looking at it. So we went ahead and I said, okay, in my additional dependencies, everything that's used in the page designer block, I'm going to be put it there so that when we go through, we don't actually delete something that's used in page designer. Mm -hmm. Very useful. That's great. Well, that would be a good uh, segment. We will uh, end this with a shout out from uh, Zeki. If Airtable had a community member, Hall of Fame, Kavan would be in it. Sure. Agreed. <laughs> I, I think there are many people that should, that deserve to be in it. Yeah, for sure. But you are definitely in that group. So welcome. Thank you, uh, Kavan, for sharing that. So we'll put a link to it. Um, Coda to your Coda sites so people yeah. can find you. And In my recommendation, just go to coda.io slash at Kavon um, because I've been changing the names of the files. So if you're trying to link to a specific doc or deep inside a doc, I'm not going to guarantee that any of those URLs are going to stay static. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. Ali is going to share some invoicing and line items. All right. You're live. Excellent. Okay, so this is a question I see getting asked, like, if not daily, definitely several times a week across all the different platforms. It's something that, like, really, I think once you understand this concept, like, it kind of helps you bring your Airtable usage to the next level. Um, it's a good introduction to understanding a junction table, which I'm sure if, if you've done a lot of reading on Airtable and you don't know what that is, you may have seen that term tossed around quite a bit and been like, what the heck are people talking about? Um, so hopefully this will kind of help to bring all that together into a pretty solid use case that I think many people will need and use um, on a regular basis. So here I do have all this built out, but I'm just going to kind of start off from like where I usually see people starting off from and then they get confused and frustrated and then we'll go into the solution. So here I've got a table of invoices. Just ignore the line items table for now. Um, 
invoices, and then I have a table of products here. Get rid of this as well, just so it's simple. So on the products table, I have a unit price field. Um, I've got some other items or pieces of data about those items. Um, and on the invoices table, I'm just saying the invoice number, the date, and it's linked off to a customer. And what I will usually see people do when they're very uh, first learning how to use Airtable is they might link directly to that products table and say, well, okay, let's say products on invoice. And they might say, well, I've got item A, item B on this one. This one's got just item B and this one's got item C. And then they'll do, they might learn how to use a roll-up field and roll up that unit price and sum that up, which is great if you only have one of each of these items. But what if, what if on this invoice, I actually have a quantity of two for item A and a quantity of three for item B or any such numbers? You're not gonna be able to record any of that data here using just these two tables. It's just, you don't have enough dimensions there to be able to get the data you need. So that's where a junction table comes in, which is super, super helpful and a very, very powerful thing that Airtable allows you to do and a good way to structure your data um, when it's necessary. So I'm just gonna delete this products on invoice field altogether. Don't need to worry about that dependency. And the backlink. Yeah, I know, right? I've got to just go over there and do that now. Thank you. Might as well. I wish that you could have that as an option, but uh, yeah, it'd be cool. Sorry, I, I just had to bring that up because I see so yeah. many people not delete their backlinks and then their table is libered with this stuff that they don't know what it is. Good you carry see, on. You see invoices two, invoices three, invoices four, like a million times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's frustrating. Um, so then I'm going to just go over directly to this line items table and talk about how this is set up. So a junction table, how I would define it is a table that's taking data from two different other tables and bringing them together into this one dimension here. So here I've got one row that's representing one product on one invoice, but here I can put in what that quantity is. I can pull over the unit price from the products table. I can then create a formula here that's saying the quantity times the unit price I can get each line item individually what that subtotal is and that adds up to the total cost of the invoice. Um, another thing that might be helpful is I actually have this unit price free text field here because if we don't have this, right? So generally speaking, what I would do, and I haven't built out all of this all the way, is I'd say once you mark this invoice as sent, for example, do you have like a status field on your invoices table? Then I would write an automation that would take your unit prices and copy them into this unit price free text field. And if you look at my formula for unit price, I'm essentially saying, this is another little known fact I talked about last week on the show is you can actually write if statements and other formulas inside of your rollup fields. 
So this saves you from having to have, you know, multiple formula fields across the table. Um, so basically I'm just saying if I have unit price free text, if I have a value in that field, then I want to use that value. Otherwise I want to just use the sum of whatever the unit price is for the value. I mean, for the product that I'm uh, linking to. And why I want to do that is because let's say I haven't set that up and um, item A, you know, six months down the line, I'm changing my prices and I'm saying, this is no longer $15. This is now uh, $17. Now, when I go over to my line items, my subtotal and my unit price has changed. Even if I've already sent this invoice out a year ago, even, then it's going to show, it's going to change all of my historical data. But you can see here where I'm linking over to item A and I've frozen that value in time, it stayed as $15 and didn't change my subtotal or the whole total price of the invoice. Um, so that's a mistake I see people making a lot. And it's it's really, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's very important to make sure that you freeze those values in time, especially when you want to be relying on your historical mm -hmm. data. Otherwise, things get messy. Yeah. One quick comment is I noticed you use the word free text in the name of that field. So naming things is really oh. tricky. Yeah. Maybe a different name because we actually have a number rather than the word text. No, totally. Yeah. This is, you know, I built this in 2019 <laughs> and I used the word free text in 2019 and never changed it. Override. You know what I would actually do is say like unit price override even because that would, mm -hmm. this would work as an override field. Um. So if I wanted to be like, actually, this was $15, I could override it. Or maybe, mm -hmm. maybe for this person's getting a discount or something. And I mean, obviously, I'd maybe have something actually built in to allow for discounts. But if for whatever reason, this product actually, in this case, was $20, you'd be, have the ability to override it. Um, but yes, thank you, Kavon. Naming things is very important. Um, so yeah, junction tables are super, super um, powerful to understand. Um, but now when I go back to my invoices table, I'll actually unhide what I've got here. Um, so I've got my invoice total. I've got my line items. I can actually still see what products are on that invoice in the same way I would if I had that direct link. But now I can actually set different quantities and um, see the actual dimensions of that product on that invoice. Um, uh, people sometimes ask like where the easiest place to like manage this is. And for me, I usually do it just directly from the line items table. Um, like even if you needed to start a new invoice, I would just hit the plus button, create a new line here, and then just say, all right, I'm starting invoice 10004. And then you can just go to town. Maybe you have a couple, you know, finds in there. But really, really super, super simple. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Another thing that's really nice about having the separate line items tables right now, you've got a grouped by invoice, but you can also have another grid view where you have it grouped by the product. So that way it's easier to see summary information like what are your different products and do you have some products that are being used in a whole lot of different line items? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
yeah, so we can see quickly item A is definitely getting the most usage, but I'm making the most money off of item C. Um, well, I mean, this doesn't include profit, <laughs> <laughs> but gross, gross dollars, item C is winning. Um, other things you can do really nicely. I think I did actually throw together a page designer block in here. Yes. So this is super, super simple. It could be a lot prettier, but you can, you know, build off having this junction table linked to your invoices um, and build a nice looking grid view or table on that page showing what quantity and the price was and the subtotal for each item. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very, very useful. Yeah, you need to understand junction tables and how those work. <clears throat> Fundamental aspect, understanding link records, understanding junction tables. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's uh, give a quick shout out to our community at builtonair.com. If you are not in there, please join builtonair.com slash join. Get you access to a Slack community of thousands of Airtable um, users and fans and experts and um, lots of people helping each other out. So check us out at builtonair.com. Okay, we've got a few minutes and we don't need much to go over record templates. So record templates... If um, if you have been following the recent announcements, so you'll find this in the tool section, although sometimes it's weird in some bases, like I'll see it at the top level. I don't know if they finalize like where you find things, but I think for the most part now there's a tools drop down and you'll see record templates along with some other um, tools that are coming or available. And so what record templates are is basically Think of it as like default values for a record that you can use when creating a new record. Um, and so at the base level, each of the fields have, or not all the fields, but some of the fields have default values. You can specify, um, well, URL you can't, but single text you can. Now you can do drop downs where you can specify in the field configuration what the default value is. But if you need something a little bit more dynamic and also supporting um, these other fields that don't have that default value, that's where you come to these templates. So in here, you can create a new template and um, you, you'll first, I'll show, you'll first pick which table you're, you're gonna be creating the template for. So one template per, or a template is associated with one table. And then once you pick your table, then it'll basically show you all of the values um, for all, or all the fields in that table. This is the, the main, the primary field. And you're essentially inserting default values that you want to um, specify in there. The cool thing is, is you can actually link to, um, you can actually set up linked records. And those links can either go to let me show a blank one. Um, yeah, let me start over. So if you have a linked record, um, you can link to a new record and um, it can be, where did I miss? There was an option to link to an existing record. I've not seen an option to link to an existing record. I've only seen the ability to create new records, new linked records. Yeah, I just saw it a second ago when I was playing. Maybe 
Maybe I was hallucinating like my AI does. Um, <laughs> so if you've defined another record for the other table, you can do that, but not an existing. Mm, inside okay. here, gotcha. Well, that's already linked. Um, I saw an option where it was, do you want to link to an existing record or create a new record? So that is somewhere. Maybe that was um, when it was beta and they found it. No, I just, to not include that. Just earlier today, I saw oh. it when I was playing with this. But anyways, um, let's see. I think I did this. Oops. I think if I delete these. But you can basically, um, eh, I guess not. So you can set up linked records that will actually get created when this record gets used. So you set up all your default values. You can set up the default values for the linked record. And then there's a couple ways that you can actually use these templates. So if you're in here, you can, you can just click on the dot, dot, dot and create a record from this template. And that will automatically, if I go to the results table, that will automatically um, just add a new row. And you'll see there, and it basically inserts a new record using all the default values that you set in your template. You can also do the same down here in this add record. You can just click on add a blank one or add a record from a template. And this will show any templates that are associated with this table. And when you click on them, it'll add it. And this one didn't have any default value set. So um, it will add it there. The other way that is probably more powerful is if you're inside an automation, one of the steps that you specify um, is a create record step. And it gives you the option now to, um, once you specify the table, I believe this will only show if you have templates associated with that table, but it will allow you the option of using specific fields to create a temp uh, record or from a template. And so you can specify from a template and then it'll give you the list of the templates um, associated with this table. And then once you run this step, um, it will then create a record for um, that rec that table using all the default values. Now, here's the, so that is kind of cool. The, the wish list is that you could maybe override some of these values dynamically from, so you like use these as true defaults. I guess you could then add another step because um, this will return the record um, for that just got created. And then you, if you needed to update it with more dynamic um, stuff from a previous step, you could you could do that in an update record step. Um, the other thing I wish it could do is dynamically pick which template based off of a, a value. Um, you know, you could have a drop down that determined which template you wanted to use to create a record um, that was in a previous step. I wish it could be dynamic. You could re-implement that by using the, the advanced logic and setting up conditional logic, but then you'd have to have like a step for every template that you have. So if you have 10 different templates, you'd have to set up 10 different conditional logic uh, steps. So there are workarounds, but those would be nicer. 
if you could yeah, do that. I think that. if you had an input variable type of thing that says this is the name of the template. Yep, yep, that would be nice. You could dynamically do that. So that is a little bit of how you use um, record templates. Be curious to know how people are using it in production. I'm probably That's not half using it. of how you can use record templates. Okay, what's the advanced step? The other half is using record templates to update existing records. Let's do that. And the issue with that is it's more confusing because you have a record template, but you have an existing record that has certain cell values. And how do you merge the two of them? Um, the logic that Airtable has said is if that field is blank in your record, but not blank in the template, then it will put that template value in. If there is a value in your record and it's a singular value, like a single select or a text field or a number, then you keep whatever value you had already. Or if you have a field that can take multiple values, like a multiple select or a multiple collaborators or a linked record field, then what happens is the two values get merged, the existing value that you had in the record and the template value. So any of three different things could happen when you update a record using an existing template and it gets a little bit confusing. Yeah. Because, yeah, it doesn't give you any options on how that's going to work. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, I haven't I haven't uh, used that part of it. Mm -hmm. So you can do this um, when you are in an automation. And you can also do that. I believe you can right-click on an existing record in the grid view. And you can say, update using, yeah, apply template. Apply template. That's right. Yeah, I have, I have done that one. So... It will backfill yeah. based off Yeah, so of for it. example, there in your channels, you have a multi-select. What would happen is it would add any new channels that were in the template, but not here, and it would not take away any. Um, on the other hand, on any of the other values, they would be filled in. Yeah. Or so not. So like I said, so three added. different possible things that can happen. And, and so this behavior would be the same. This is the same behavior as the automation update, the apply template. It'd be the same as when you use an automation that says apply template. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that is good. Okay. Good addition. Awesome. Thank you, Kavan. Thank yeah. you, Ali, for being on the show. Another great episode. We will do one more and then and then I believe we'll do a live one in person in San Francisco. So excited for that. That's exciting. As always, good to be with everybody. And we will see you next week on the Built on Air podcast. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>